this is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello, and welcome to a very special opening day edition of Crosstown Crosstalk, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi. Joey Parisi, he's out getting wild because this Saturday's his birthday. So make sure you head on over to Joey Parisi's Twitter at Joey Parisi and wish him a very happy, special 25th birthday. Joseph, happy birthday to you. I can't wait to have you back on this show at some point. When we get there, we will get there. But today, it's just me. Why is it just me? Well, little guy, little, little guy, little foul boy. Just kidding. I love you. Dave Williams of Barstool Chicago, Redline radio host. He had a little scheduling conflict, so we had to push him back. Gave him a nice little shove into next week. He will be on next week. I'm fairly confident that everything will work out with that next week. Um, Dave's a good friend of the program, so no issues whatsoever, I understand. I think Barstool Chicago had an opening day type of stream that led to him having some New York people in the office. And, you know, that when the New York people are in town, Lil Vinny gets shoved off to the side, which is totally okay with me. And, you know, I'm excited to have Dave on next week. We'll talk some Shrek. We'll talk some White Sox baseball, maybe a little, you know, whatever we want to talk about. Gas station snacks. Everything's on the table when Dave Williams is on our show. So very much looking forward to that. So what am I going to do in the place of all that? Instead of having a conversation with one of the more popular White Sox fans out there, it's just going to be me. Lucky you. Um, We're going to go over the rosters of each Chicago baseball team today. Major League Baseball is officially underway. As of right now, the Chicago Cubs are currently on playing against the Milwaukee Brewers. It actually looks like something big just happened, but I can't really tell. Um, I think the Cubs are off to a pretty good start off of Corbin Burns. Is that what I'm seeing correctly? No? Uh, opposite? We'll, we'll figure it out. You know, got updates right here in front of me. Um, Saya Suzuki made his Major League debut for the Chicago Cubs. He drew a walk and said at bat. Um, you know, it's a very interesting team, the Chicago Cubs, and that's actually who I'm going to start with today. The Chicago Cubs play on the north side of Chicago, Wrigley Field opening their season series with the Milwaukee Brewers, who are the odds-on favorite to win the National League Central. They have the reigning Cy Young pitcher Corbin Burns on the mound today facing the Chicago Cubs lineup, and Wrigley Field is, you know, it's a little chilly today. So it's not your it's not your nice warm 70 degree opening day, but that's what you get with weather in Chicago. So Nick Magical, Cubs debut, but you know, getting into the roster level of things, it's a very interesting team. And yes, Skylar provided me with a great update. Uh zero zero top of third. Okay. Uh, that's you know, that's perfect. 
Um, we'll see how that game progresses as the show goes along here. It's not going to be the longest show of all time because, you know, we're just going over the rosters. I know everybody wants to get back to watching the Cubs, um, the White Sox tomorrow, but we'll get into them in a little bit. The Chicago Cubs roster, as I was getting into before I started babbling, was is interesting to say the least. There are some very good players on this roster. I think the over-under for Chicago Cubs wins this season, it opened at 71, and then it kind of climbed a little bit as spring training went along. They signed Saya Suzuki, Marcus Stroman, we all knew was already there since before the lockout. It's got up to 74, and I think when we woke up on this opening day, it was at 75 wins. So, you know, that's not a great win total by any means, but a lot of people believe they can outperform this projection from Vegas as the season goes along. But I think a great start is very needed because if the Cubs get off to a slow start, let's say they start five and 15, then you might see them start trading off some of these guys. And then they're for sure not going to reach that 75 win threshold. But I think if they get off to, let's say a 10 and eight start, or a 10 and, you know, or a 15 and nine start, then they might think they have a legitimate shot at being that last wild card. I don't, we don't even call it wild card anymore. The last playoff team in the National League, and they might keep some of these guys. And with that, we'll start with the catchers because the most interesting player on the Chicago Cubs this season is Mr. Wilson Contreras. Wilson Contreras goes into this season with the exact same situation that Mr. Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, and Chris Bryant found themselves in last year. They were on the last year of their expiring contracts and were expecting rather large paydays going into last season, and it didn't happen. The Cubs fell off before the All-Star break. It was so obvious that they were not going to compete in the National League Central. And they were traded off to the New York Yankees, New York Mets, and San Francisco Giants, respectively. And Wilson Contreras is in the same boat. This is a very different team. He's clearly the leader, face of the franchise-level player right now at only 29 years old. He's got a lot of good years left. I'm not quite certain that Wilson Contreras is Yadier Molina, you know, being a very good catcher up until his age 40 season. But can he be a very good catcher up until, let's say, 36, 37 years old, and then maybe pull a Mike Piazza and transition to be a first baseman or a designated hitter now that that's in the National League. It's certainly on the table. And Wilson Contreras is one of the best Cubs ever. It'll be interesting to see if he finishes the year playing for them. His backup catcher will be an offseason addition that has kind of been close to my heart over the years. You know, he had a little bit of a tenure. I believe he had a, a fair amount of time played with the Boston Red Sox at one point. Um, it's Jan Gomes. And Jan Gomes was, uh, it doesn't actually look like he played for the Red Sox. I'm thinking of somebody else. Um, he played for the, oh, it's the Cleveland team that he played for, you know, playing in my White Sox division for a long time. Um, Jan Gomes has a really nice career. They paid him a little bit more than you pay a backup catcher, which is interesting to me. But, you know, it is what it is. He will back up Wilson Contreras until um, they either trade him or he'll just stay as the backup catcher all year long. But I expect that Jan Gomes will see a fair amount of time now that the National League has the DH and there are always injuries to take into consideration. Wilson Contreras will get his days off. We've seen Wilson Contreras play the outfield in days that the Cubs need his bat in the lineup, which I think will be the case a fair amount this year because when you take Contreras out of the lineup, it's a lot less dangerous looking of a lineup. And, you know, that's what we have with that. And, you know, we'll move over to the infield where we have the first baseman. And, uh, you know, 
starting at first base for the Cubs, pretty much most of the season is going to be Frank Schwindel. And guys, Frank Schwindel, he came in and he had to replace Anthony Rizzo the day after he was traded. He had to stand there and listen to what the people at Wrigley Field were screaming at him. Apparently, it wasn't great. You know, the day after Rizzo was traded, that had to be tough on him. Because Anthony Rizzo, I understand these Cub fans who were pissed that Rizzo was gone. And now this guy that they had never heard of that spent years in the minors and can never really stick with the major league team. You know, the A's cut him earlier in the year and he was awesome. You know, Frank Schwindel was as good as you can ever ask for him last season. He had an OPS that was in the 800s and he hit a lot of home runs for a short amount of time. And the Cubs didn't trade him in the offseason when his value was probably at its highest that it ever will be. So they're relying on him to be a big part of the infield going forward. And that's that for Frank Schwindel. Over at second base is going to be somebody that's rather near and dear to my heart. Um, he played for the Chicago White Sox. He was drafted fourth overall by the White Sox in 2018. And that's Nick Madrigal. And Nick Madrigal is one of the most unique baseball players I have ever watched in my entire life. He does not hit very many home runs. His OPS might be sub 400. And he rarely even hits gaps for doubles. All he is is one of the better slap hitting single hitters I've ever seen in my whole life. Like he believes he's going to go out there and have 3000 hits one day. And if he goes out there and has 3000 hits one day and 2,500 of them are singles, I would be 0% surprised. The Cubs had him batting second today. I don't even slightly agree with that. I would either have him bat first or I would have him bat ninth. There would be no in between, but batting seconds the way that David Ross wanted to do it today. I also could see Suzuki batted sixth. We'll get to him in a minute. Suzuki's hitting sixth, and part of me thinks he'll be the second hitter long term. But Nicky two strikes, as they call him, because he protects the plate as well as anyone I've ever seen. Um, he's a good second baseman, and the Cubs won that trade. A lot of the Cubs fans didn't like it at first because they were getting a reliever that really had kind of a mediocre first half with the White Sox and Cody Hoyer and Nick Madrigal, who was on the I.L. Well, now you got Nick Madrigal. Cody Hoyer had Tommy John, but he's going to be a great setup man for a long time. The Cubs won that trade because the White Sox had Craig Kimbrell, and he was so bad for them that they traded him for A.J. Pollock. And how they got a player as good as A.J. Pollock for Kimbrell, I have no idea, but that's the Dodgers for you. They're that deep that they'll pay what they have to to get a closer. And Madrigal is going to be your second baseman for a while. At shortstop, you're going to see a lot of Nico Horner. And Nico Horner made the roster. Um, he's certainly... An interesting cat, injured last year for a lot of the time. I believe he was a first-round pick in the same year that Madrigal was a first-round pick for the White Sox. So it's going to be interesting to see how these two kind of play the middle of the infield. Um, I don't think Corner will be the only player playing shortstop for the Cubs for the entire season. But, you know, that's that's the way it shakes out sometimes. Um I'm trying to find – so, yeah, Nico Horner is going to be right there. He is not playing for the Cubs today, which is something that is definitely interesting, unless I'm missing something here. I'm checking – oh, he, he is. He's batting ninth and playing shortstop. I figured as much. I just – it was, like, lower in the page, so I couldn't see it right away. Um, Horner is a good player. Him and Madrigal, they'll flip back and forth between batting first and batting ninth if I were in charge. But, you know, that's that with them right now. Um, the rest of the infield, third base. Patrick Wisdom, 
is going to look like he's going to be third base for a while. Um, he can play a variety of other positions, which I find interesting about him, you know, kind of Chris Bryant's replacement in that way. Um, playing third base for the Cubs has, it hasn't been exclusive to Bryant for the last couple of years because Bryant has turned into one of like the star utility men around baseball. I think he played every position for the Cubs last season, except pitcher and catcher, which is just absolutely banana lands. Every pit position is very hard to play. So having wisdom there broke Bryant's rookie record for home runs last year. Now, granted, he was a 29-year-old rookie. Um, same with Frank Schwindel. These guys had a little bit of an advanced rookie season. But the rules are the rules, and he was classified as a rookie, and now he's trying to put on more of the same in his age 30 season. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch Patrick Wisdom play for them. And then rounding out the infield on the bench side of things, Jonathan Villar and Alfonso Rivas. Those are two guys who made the roster and are going to be hoping to – crack a little bit of playing time as the season goes along. Um, we'll move into the outfield where I pretty much think every single player I'm going to name here for the outfield will start a game for the Cubs this weekend. I just think the outfield is so there's only one guy in the outfield that I think deserves to play or no, there's two guys actually. So now that I think about it, they probably won't all start a game, but I think they'll all start games throughout the season a fair amount. There are two guys who deserve to play in the outfield. Uh, pretty much every single game um, to start, it's Saya Suzuki. Saya Suzuki was the Japanese phenomenon, played for a long time over there, was great, won a gold medal in the, I, I don't think, is it the World Baseball Classic or the Olympics? He won gold in international competition, which is incredibly impressive. The 27-year-old bats right, uh, throws right. He'll be playing right field. And the Cubs should and probably will use him as the right fielder for a majority of the season. I kind of think he saves them from having a really rough outfield in terms of offensive production. Um, this is a guy who I believe in his first year. Now, let me be very, very clear. He's not Shohei Otani. He's not. He's not. Do I think he'll be better than Kosuke Fukudome was? Absolutely. Um, Fukudome was actually a pretty good player. People, He didn't live up to the hype, so people think he stinks, but he was a pretty good player. Um, Suzuki's going to come over and be that guy in right field, and he's going to get a lot of playing time. And a guy who he's kind of taking right field away from, probably rightfully so, is Jason Hayward. Guys, you paid $178 million for a World Series speech and a gold glove. That's what you got with Jason Hayward. He just did not live up to the expectations that the Chicago Cubs had for him with that expectation. But when you win the World Series, all is forgotten, all is forgiven. Hayward just isn't that good of a hitter. and you know, he provides gold glove outfield. He at least used to, and he'll probably make that transition to center field for a majority of the season. He is, he is for sure. He's playing center field for the Cubs right now. And, you know, batting seventh, he's going to get a lot of playing time guys, another year and a half on that contract or two years. I think if you include this year, I can't even call this year half yet. They played three innings so far. Um, Hayward, he's going to get his playing time. It's hard not to give him his playing time. Um, I'm interested to see what his career looks like after his Cubs tenure, but you're going to see a lot of Jason Hayward so far this season. So um, look out for that. The rest of the group, Ian Happ. Ian Happ probably rounds out the outfield a fair amount of time. He did have a little bit of elbow issue earlier in the offseason and during spring training, he worked through it. We didn't see too much of him during spring training. In fact, most of what we saw from Ian Happ this offseason has been him being the Cubs 
um, representative in the Players Association. He was there in Arizona with Max Scherzer, with Lucas Giolito, with Rob Manfred and the crew. He represented the Cubs as a player in these negotiations trying to end this lockout. And from what I've heard in interviews with him, he went on White Sox Dave's podcast, Redline Radio, and he gave some insight on what's going on with that. He's a very well-spoken dude, and I like Ian Happ a lot. He played a big role in helping the players get a fair deal in the collective bargaining agreement. So yay for Ian Happ. Those three probably round out the outfield on most days, but I do think you're going to see a fair amount of the rest of the guys. It's Clint Frazier, I'll start with. Clint Frazier, he was a top prospect with the New York Yankees. And a guy that those Yankee fans, they thought they had gold with Clint Frazier. And then things just never really panned out for him. He didn't hit as well as they thought he was going to. It didn't seem like Aaron Boone cared to play him in the Yankee lineup as much as he probably should have for his development. He spent probably a little too much time in AAA too, which probably didn't help his confidence too much. But it was a crowded group over there in New York. Um, you got Mike Stanton, uh, Aaron Judge. There was Andujar. There were, there were just so many different players trying to compete for playing time over there in New York. And Frazier, he got cut, and he found his way over to the Chicago Cubs. It, it doesn't surprise me that right when he got to the Cubs, he you know, he had some cryptic tweets that kind of just like ripped on the Yankees and the way they handled them. So I, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of things that could be unlocked with Clint Frazier as the season goes along. I'm interested to see what um, comes out of his season with the Cubs. If David Ross gives him a fair shake, if he – you know, with a designated hitter, there's always injuries. <laughs> Excuse me. There's plenty of room for Clint Frazier on the Cubs roster right now. Um, they got backups, Rafael Ortega and um, Rafael Ortega and Michael Hermosillo. Those two guys are going to provide backup stability for the outfield position. And he, Ortega let off today for the Cubs as their designated hitter. So it's going to be interesting to see what his role kind of is as the season goes along. But, you know, they used him a lot last year, uh, 30 years old. I think him and Hermosillo, they'll, they'll be okay. You know, they're not necessarily the guys you want starting for the Cubs every single day. But as the season goes along, David Ross will figure out where these guys fit in and how the lineup works for the rest of the season. And that rounds out their outfield. Now the pitching, that's where things get a little – little iffy for the Chicago Cubs. I think they'll score an okay amount of runs. I don't think they're going to be a powerhouse offense, but I think there are guys in the starting lineup in the batting order that have a lot to prove and want to prove it. But with the pitching, I'm just going to read off this list, and I want everybody to put in the chat how many of them they've actually heard of before. And, of course, for me, it's going to be – or for the pitchers, it's Jesse Chavez, Scott Efros, Michael Givens, Kyle Hendricks, Chris Martin, Daniel Norris, Ethan Roberts, David Robertson, Michael Rucker, Drew Smiley, Justin Steele, Marcus Stroman, Keegan Thompson, and Rowan Wick. Now, you might notice some interesting names missing from that group. We'll get to those when we touch on the injured reserve list for the Cubs. Um, Kyle Hendricks on the bump today. I mean, the professor, three straight opening day starts. He's one of the best Cub pitchers of the last 20 years. I mean, this is a guy who's been nominated for the Cy Young Award, um, World Series champion. There's nothing bad to say about Kyle Hendricks. Even with a, a lousy season last year for the Cubs as a whole, Hendricks was okay. Um, it certainly wasn't his best season by any means, but it's hard to play on a team like that. So hopefully Kyle Hendricks can kind of get things going for the Cubs this year and, you know, lead the way with their rotation. 
Second in the rotation should come to a shock to absolutely nobody. It's Marcus Stroman. And Marcus Stroman signed a big deal in the offseason. He's coming to the Cubs on a relatively team-friendly deal, I would say. He's um, a guy who he talks a lot. He's already talked about playing for the Giants. You know, can't hope I get to play for the Giants one day. A little weird thing to say after signing with the Cubs. But there's no doubt that over the last couple years, he's been one of the better pitchers on the team. And one thing that I'm realizing here as I look through my notes for Stroman, he's not starting for the Chicago Cubs tomorrow. He's he's definitely this. He might even be the best pitcher in the rotation. He, you know, it's between him and Kyle Hendricks. But he's actually going to go Saturday, you know, against the Brew Crew. Tomorrow is going to be Justin Steele. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of year Stroman has. A little birdie has told me that – Stroman and the Cubs know that he's on a team-friendly deal. And if they're out of it at any trade deadline, I'm talking like out of it. The first trade deadline, I'm not so certain because it's year one of a three-year deal. But in the second and third year, if the Cubs are like way out of it, a World Series contender would probably pay a fair price for a Marcus Stroman who could get moved at any point. Uh, If I were a betting man, I am, I would bet – Stroman does not play out the entire three years with the Chicago Cubs unless they somehow turn into a World Series contender before his contract is over. I actually think they're going to start to become a contender again right at the end of his contract, and that could be advanced by adding good talent via trade. So we'll see how the season goes for him. On the injured list, two guys that are going to be – or I guess you could even say three guys that are going to be part of the – rotation for you know the second half of the season we hope uh i'll start with Albert alzali alzali is on the 60 day dl we're not going to see him for a while it might be three or four months before we see alzali uh wade miley great pickup for the chicago cubs over the offseason they got him for free off waivers for the cincinnati reds he had a very good season last year and the reds were just like all right peace and the cubs picked him up off waivers because they had a high priority on the waiver wire and he's going to be there. And once he's on the mound, ready to go, it kind of stinks that he's starting the year on the IL. I'm not sure that's the best foot you want to be starting off and your age 35 season coming off a very good year, the year before. So now there's expectations on you and you're with a new team that needs your pitching ability as much as you can. Um, We'll see what happens with Wade Miley, but if your rotation in August or even late July is Hendricks, Stroman, Steele, uh, Alzali, Miley, in any order. I think Miley would probably be third on that list. But in any order, um, I would say that's a pretty good rotation. It's certainly not like an all-world rotation or anything like that. But it's a good rotation. And if the Cubs are three or four games out of a wild card spot at that point in time, they probably don't make too many trades and try and get these guys some experience playing in high leverage games. So it's going to be weird to see Miley put on a Cubs jersey after how dominant he was with the Reds. But – you know, it is what it is. They got him for free, basically, which is nice. And then Alec Mills. You, you all remember when Alec Mills threw the no-hitter two years ago uh, in the COVID season. There were only two pitchers in baseball that threw a no-hitter, and one played for the Cubs and one played for the White Sox. And the one that played for the Cubs was Alec Mills. He had one of the best games of his life. And, you know, it is what it is. He's on the 10-day IL. I'm sure he'll be back in short order. He's definitely going to contribute to the Cubs, whether it be from the bullpen or the starting rotation. At any point this season, there are injuries. You know, maybe he'll replace Alzali until he comes back. Then when he comes back, Wick or Mills goes to the 
uh, bullpen. We'll see what happens. And then, of course, I just kind of touched on his name, uh, Rowan Wick. He's not on the injured list, but I do believe if I had to mention somebody from the actual pitchers list that is going to make an impact this season, I kind of think Rowan Wick has a chance. He didn't look great in the preseason game against the White Sox, but as long as he could stay off this injured list, I think he'll get a fair shake this year. And then two other guys that are actually on the injured list that I want to touch on, Brad Wyke. I don't even know if you say say it like that. Wyke? He's on the 60-day IL. Um, We're not going to see him for a long time. And then Cody Hoyer, who came with Nick Madrigal in the Craig Kimbrell trade. Cody Hoyer's a beast. I'll argue that with anyone. He's a beast. He's a little string bean looking dude, real thin, tall, uh, throws so hard. You, you, you wonder how a skinny guy like that can throw it that hard. He just does. And his ERA was a little inflated last year because of a tough start. But once he got to the Cubs, he really settled down. And I believe he has the stuff to be a closer from time to time. But I think a setup man would just be absolutely perfect role for him. I don't, looking at it, hindsight, the Craig Kimbrell trade was bad for the White Sox, but they got Kimbrell, who had like a 0.5 ERA at that time, playing on a Cubs team that had no really high leverage situations. Why not just keep Hoyer? I know Kimbrell's the big name going to the Hall of Fame, couple World Series championships. It was the right move at the moment, but in hindsight, it's like Cody Hoyer could have given you even if he had like a three, even if he was okay, it would have been better than just straight up bad, which is what Kimbrough gave you. So, you know, the Cubs will feel the the fruit of his labor in the coming years. Not this year because he's gone for the year. Uh, I believe it was Tommy John. And when you throw that hard and you throw that hard often, it, it's just coming for you. Tommy knocks on every hard thrower's window at some point, I feel like, these days. And they go for a year, and then they come back better than ever. Strasburg was amazing for the Washington Nationals when he came back. Michael Kopech, outstanding last season. Going to be the number three starter for the White Sox this year until Lynn comes back. And then by then, Kopech might be the ace. We'll see. But, you know, when you have that much talent and you throw that hard, get the Tommy John, get it out of the way. We're seeing Garrett Crochet do that with the White Sox. We'll get to that roster in a minute. But, you know. It is what it is. That's your 2022 Chicago Cubs from top to bottom. Pitchers, catchers, infielders, outfielders, injured list. If I were making a guess, I would take the over on the 75 win total. I think the Cubs will have about 80 wins on the dot. I'll go 80 and 82 for their entire season. Um, I'm not certain that any awards, individual awards, are coming to any of these people this year. I I do believe if they make the playoffs somehow, then we could be talking about David Ross as a nominee for the National League Manager of the Year. Um, Clint Frazier, Comeback Player of the Year. I don't even know if they even give one of those away anymore. Um, Rookie of the Year. Oh, yeah, duh, Rookie of the Year. I would say Saya Suzuki has a legit shot at being the National League Rookie of the Year. Um, wisdom came in fourth at 29 years old last year. There's no reason that, uh, Suzuki can't at 27 years old come in and really have a chance at that award. So that's what I got for the Chicago Cubs. They open this season against the Brewers right now. I could actually probably provide everybody with a little bit of a score update as in real time, they are still zero, zero in the top of the fourth. So not really much has gone on in the last inning while I was talking about their roster. They have the Brew Crew for four to start the season. Not 
not a bad team to kind of really get your feet wet against. They'll be off on Monday. And then they will head on the road for the first time this season where they will take on a team with a significantly worse roster than them. And that is the Pittsburgh Pirates. And it only looks like they play the Pirates for two before heading over to the West Coast where they will face off against the uh, former Chicago Cub great Chris Bryant and the Colorado Rockies up there in the mountains. So it's going to be an interesting week for the Cubs in between right this second and our next show next Thursday. Um, Yeah. It's an interesting team. That, that's all I got to put it. They, they're an interesting team. Um, I would say as of right now, that 80 and 82 record that I predict for them would put them in third place in the National League Central. I think the Brew Crew are going to win it, and I think the Cardinals are going to come in second. I would put the Cubs in third. I would put the uh, Cincinnati Reds in fourth, and I would put the Pittsburgh Pirates in fifth. And speaking of the Pirates, I know I'm mostly covering – what's going on in the Chicago baseball scene today. But I got to give some love to my fan-sided brethren. Robert Murray broke the news. Uh, friend of the program, friend of mine, fan-sided colleague. He broke the news that Key Brian Hayes of the Pittsburgh Pirates agreed to an eight-year, $70 million deal. That is awesome for both the Pirates and Key Brian Hayes. Um Maybe this is a sign where the Pirates start to come out of it a little bit. They're a team. They're an old school team. I think their uniforms are gorgeous. They play at, in my opinion, one of the three most beautiful looking fields. Obviously, PNC doesn't have the rich history of a Fenway Park, Dodger Stadium, Wrigley Field, Yankee Stadium, but they have a beautiful stadium. I need to get there soon. I like how you can see like the background of the city. And the field from your seats, you know. I'm a big Pittsburgh Pirates guy. I like the way that team looks and does their stuff. They just stink, and I want them to be good. So hopefully this is a sign in the right direction for them. Now, we are going to take it over to the other side of town where things are just a little bit more complicated right now. It's a little less cut and dry when you think about the Chicago White Sox who went six – or they went – 93 and 69 last season for a very nice American League Central Division Championship. And they went into the postseason and were just absolutely humbled by the Houston Astros. Um, it's going to be an interesting year. I oh, don't think they got worse. I think they got marginally better. But the thing is, they won 93 games without Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Yasmani Grandal for most of the season. Now, losing Carlos Rodon, that's a tough loss. Um, the San Francisco Giants are going to enjoy having him in their rotation Big this year, I believe, as long as he stays healthy. But it was the White Sox versus injuries for the most part last year. And if they can really get healthy and stay healthy for most of the season, not off to the best start in that regard, um, I believe they could win 95 games. I really do. Um, being a top two team these days gets you a bye into the division series. And I would look to do that if I were the White Sox. If I were Tony La Russa, I would try to go for the gut throat and really try to have the best record or second best record in the American League. I think it matters now more than ever. So when you're playing those games in September and if the Detroit Tigers or the Minnesota Twins are 10 games behind you, I don't want to see anyone resting. Get that by it's like winning a playoff series. It is the equivalent of winning a playoff series, having the top two records in your uh, respective league. And I think the White Sox can do that with this roster. There was some news today that um, had to be announced by the White Sox. 
both Ryan Berger and Yoan Moncada are to being taken off of the opening day roster and being put on the injured list, and they are being replaced with Matt Foster and Jake Berger. And with that, we will get to the Chicago White Sox opening day roster now, and I'm going to go in the exact same order as I did with the Cubs, with the White Sox, starting with the catchers. Guys, both teams in Chicago have a top five catcher, and maybe not defensively, but you know, the way you create offense in today's game is very, very important. And Yasmani Grendahl is one of, if not the best catcher in baseball. He hits bombs. I hate batting average. I think it's a bad stat, and I have many reasons behind that. His OPS is through the roof. His slugging percentage through the roof. His uh, on-base percentage through the roof. The only time I like batting average is for a leadoff little slap hitter like Nick Madrigal. You know, if Nick Madrigal hits 340, I consider that like a useful stat. Okay, I'm saying it's a bad stat is probably the wrong way to put it. I just don't think it's the only stat anymore. Where in the 80s and 90s and even 2000s, it was like, hey, what's a guy's batting average? That's how we'll determine if he's a good player or not. That's not really how it works anymore. There are a lot of good 220 hitters, a lot of good 220 hitters. And I think Yasmani got up to like 240 last year, which is just like worlds better than his previous years. But you know, you look at the home runs, you look at the slugging. He's definitely one of the better offensive players going on the White Sox right now. So he will be their starting catcher tomorrow. Um, I believe he's batting fourth. I actually have their lineup um, in front of me. But, you know, yeah, as Monty Grandal, he's going to be their starting catcher. Backup catcher, Reese McGuire. What a story. The White Sox on Sunday traded Zach Collins to the Toronto Blue Jays, and they got Reese McGuire in return. And it's basically the exact same thing as Collins, where it's a former first round pick of another team coming over to Chicago and um, having a chance to really just a change of scenery, allow him to elevate his game again. And he's a good defensive catcher. And that's really all the White Sox need with. Uh, Yasmani Grandal getting a bulk of the starts and, you know, Grandal can play first. He can play DH and, you know, that'll allow McGuire to play defensive catcher a fair amount. Um, I agree with Foster's comment about average not being what it used to be. It's just funny because it still means the same thing. It's still how many times you get a hit per how many times you get in at bat. And it still means the same thing in terms of what it is. I just think, as humans evolve, we get smarter. And, you know, I agree with the uh, comment we put in the chat here. Average is an average stat. It is an average stat. It's useful. It can help. If a guy's hitting 340, you should probably take notice. Like, whoever wins the batting title, I think, deserves recognition. There's no doubt. But I'm saying if you hit 220, that doesn't mean you're a bad hitter at all. Where it used to, it would get you cut if you hit 220 20 years ago. So that's just not the way it is anymore. We have other stats to put with batting average to help, you know, evaluate our players. And, you know, that's what we got with the two catchers. The infield is a little bit of a shit show right now because of the fact that Yoan Moncada is on the injured list, so he's not on the roster. I believe it's three weeks or less, according to White Sox beat writer Scott Merkin. He works for MLB.com. Um, yeah, well, hopefully it's less, as he suggests it very well could be. Uh, Moncada is a very important player the White Sox. Um, he's an outstanding defensive third baseman, and he definitely needs to hit more home runs, but his on-base percentage is through the roof, and I think 
I think the sky's the limit for Johan. He just needs to get there. So, And then, of course, Tim Anderson, he's going to miss the first two games of the season because there was a benches-clearing brawl between the White Sox and the uh, Tigers in the last series of the season last year. And Abreu got hit for the 500th straight time. And a fight broke out because he got hit like 25 straight times. And I think he was like fifth in the league and hit by pitch, but a vast majority of them came in the final two months of the season and the White Sox had had enough. And Anderson, while trying to get to a different player to break up something, brushed up against an umpire and you can't touch umpires. You know, I get it. And so does Anderson. He's yeah, you can't touch umpires. And the league has to protect their umpires. Otherwise, it's going to be fair game out there. So he did appeal the suspension because of the fact that he didn't mean to touch the umpire. But – and because when you appeal, you're allowed to play. Um, they suspended him. He appealed. He's allowed to play. Playoff games don't count. Over the offseason, they reduced it from three games to two. He's not going to fight the two. And they're going to go – into the season, missing him for the first two games of the season. So that's what you got on the infield. So he is on the roster, though, because it's a suspension. It's not an injury. So he is on the roster. So he will be their starting shortstop for most of the season. Over at first base is the guy I previously mentioned, Jose Abreu, won the MVP in 2020. And Abreu's just constant 30 home runs, 120 RBIs lately. I, you know, I believe he's coming first, second, or third in American League RBIs each of the last three seasons, and he's just outstanding. You know, he's one of the best pure power hitters in the league, um, and the White Sox are thrilled to have him play in first base for them this year, and I'm excited about it. The guy who replaced Yohan Moncada, Jake Berger. Jake Berger is a very interesting story. He was the 11th overall pick in the 2017 MLB draft, and Jake Berger dealt with some seriously bad injuries to start his career. Um, I believe it was two torn Achilles in his minor league career to start the year. And that is not good. He definitely thought about giving up baseball. That is from his mouth, not mine. And missing Berger was tough. His development took a hit to start, but he came back last year and was awesome in AAA. Awesome. And he got the call up and was awesome in the MLB again. OPS over 800. Um, he's just a great player. And I'm not sure he's going to stick with the White Sox all season just because of roster space. The rosters are going to go from 28 back down to 25. I believe it's May 2nd. The reason it's 28 right now is because of the shortened spring training as a result of the lockout. So Berger gets to replace Moncada. He'll be there as long as Moncada is gone. And this is a chance for Berger to really – really do something to make it where they can't cut him. You know, I believe he can, you know, he's got that first round talent. He had the high prospect pedigree early on and I'm certain that he will. I'm certain that he will do something special and he could take a job away from somebody like this guy, Danny Mendick. Danny Mendick is a really good defender, gold glove kind of guy. I mean, I believe he was nominated for a second base gold glove in 2020, but he can't hit. He might be the worst hitter in the entire White Sox organization. I'm certain that if he went to Triple A, he, he's still not going to hit that well down there. But he plays great defense, and the White Sox felt the need to have him on the roster to start the year. And he's not going to be in the starting lineup tomorrow, but he will be a player off the bench to play late inning defense. Replacing Tim Anderson at shortstop to start the year is going to be Leary Garcia. 
Um, Leary Garcia, he's the perfect utility man on a team. I mean, he's probably the 25th man on a roster on any given. Or I, I think it'll go from 28 to 26, if I remember that correctly. I think I said 25 a couple minutes ago. I think it's 26. Um, he's the perfect 26th man on a roster. He could play infield. He could play outfield. He could do all of them well. He was clutching the playoffs. Um, he had that big home run that allowed the White Sox to get their only win in the postseason last year. And it's just – it's a player that you don't need him in the lineup every day. But when something happens, like a Tim Anderson suspension or a Yoan Moncada injury, it's nice to have Leary Garcia in the mix to kind of back him up. And playing second base for the White Sox starting tomorrow – is going to be Josh Harrison, who they acquired in the offseason. He's got a couple all-star appearances in his MLB career. But, you know, he's an older veteran. He was definitely one of the cheaper options for second base. I'm sure not a lot of White Sox fans are too surprised and or thrilled to hear that. But I think he's going to provide a pretty good season for the White Sox. Um, playing second base pretty much every day. If they are ever able to make, like, a big trade for, like, a big-time second baseman, like, let's say Whit Merrifield becomes available in the regular season before the trade deadline. Then I think he has a chance to become more of a utility guy talking about Harrison. So it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in with the team as a whole this year. Um, who else am I missing from the infield? Ah, just kidding. I knew I was not going to forget this guy. This guy has been on my program. Um, Gavin Sheets. Gavin Sheets is one of the nicest people I've ever talked to. And I hope he succeeds with the – I'm biased – I'm very biased. You're nice to me. I root for you. Gavin Sheets is somebody that can hit for tremendous amount of power. He's one of the only pure lefties on the White Sox roster. Um, he has a chance to hit a lot of home runs. He's not going to be in the starting lineup tomorrow, but I would not be even slightly surprised if late in the game a righty's on the mound and Gavin Sheets comes in to pinch hit. And when he comes in to pinch hit, it becomes an automatic power threat. Um, Andrew Vaughn is going to be the designated hitter tomorrow. We'll get to him in a minute. Um, Andrew Vaughn's a righty and Eduardo Rodriguez, Erod newly acquired pitcher for the Detroit Tigers is on the mound. So I'm not surprised to see sheets start the game on the bench while Rodriguez, the lefties on the mound. And so we get to the outfield, Andrew Vaughn. He's, he's an infielder too. Andrew Vaughn is a first baseman. I hate the fact that he's listed as an outfielder. Um, he's not very good at the outfield. He played admirably in left field last year, but I don't love him as a outfielder long-term. Um, I think it's better to like really keep him as the DH. You don't want him getting hurt playing the outfield. He'll be the long-term first baseman. I believe he has potential to be a very good player, a very good hitter in major league baseball. And that's where he's going to make his money. And he will, as a righty face off against Erod tomorrow as the team's starting designated hitter. The fourth are the other outfielders on the team. Right field. You traded Craig Kimbrell for this guy. It's A.J. Pollock. A.J. Pollock was Los Angeles' best player in the outfield last season. And in the postseason. And he really gave them a chance to go deep in the playoffs. I think... I think he's going to provide stability to right field for the first time in a long time. The White Sox haven't had an outfielder do great things for them in the right field spot in a long time. And if Pollock can hit 20 home runs, he's leading off tomorrow in Anderson's spot. I think he'll bat seventh when Anderson comes back. It's a good guy to have over there in right field. I think it's probably – it's going to be a good offensive outfield. And moving over to center field, 
guys, I think the world of this guy. If the Chicago Blackhawks trade Patrick Kane in the next year, then Luis Robert becomes the best player of any men's Chicago sports team right now. And Robert has the ability to literally change the game. I know that's the White Sox slogan. Robert has five tools. He can hit for power. He can hit for average. He can steal, meaning speed. He's got a good arm. And what's the other tool I'm missing? Defense. Outstanding defense. And he's a gold glove winner already. He's only been in the league for two years. He plays a premier position in baseball. I would say center field is right there with catcher, pitcher, and shortstop as the most important positions on the diamond. And Robert plays it tremendously. It just there are teams out there that sacrifice significant August. Or they I just read a comment and that made me say the word August. That's hilarious. Um, he provides significant offense for a position that teams literally sacrifice it for. There are teams out there that sacrifice offense to get good defensive play in center field. I think of the Boston Red Sox are going to have Jackie Bradley Jr. play center field. That guy stinks at center at hitting, but he's awesome at playing the defensive outfield. Um, I believe, uh, what do they call Even the Cubs, Jason Hayward, giving up defense or offense for good play in center field. They've done it for years. But the White Sox, they get the best of both worlds with Luis Robert. I think if he stays healthy, he has a chance to be an MVP caliber player. I mean, he's just that kind of guy. Um, he, he literally can hit for average, can hit for power. Um, 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, all of that is in his arsenal. Um, I think the world of him. He had a 3.3 war in only like 50 games last year. If you stretch that out over 162, we're talking about 8-9 war. That's right there with Otani and Juan Soto and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. By the end of the year, if he's considered a top 10 player in baseball, I will be 0% surprised. But it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. He has to go out there and be healthy. And his injury last year, it was a freak injury. He was just trying to beat out a ground ball. Listen, Luis, if you're down three in a game in May, you don't need to go full out to reach first base, you know, and tear your peck or whatever it was. Um, that's just not something that needs to happen. Go out there, be healthy, be the best player on the team. I'm looking forward to watching him play. And the guy who plays left field is similar to Robert in terms of his offensive production. He's not similar to him in terms of his defensive ability. Of course, I'm talking about Eloy Jimenez. Eloy Jimenez headlined one of the greatest trades in Chicago White Sox history when they acquired him for Jose Quintana, who went over to the Cubs and was okay, but now Quintana's gone and Jimenez is a guy that can hit 50 bombs, literally. And I'm expecting that from him this year. Everyone wants him to DH. The only person in the world who doesn't want Eloy Jimenez to DH is me. And the reason I don't want him to DH is because he don't want to DH. He thinks it will impact his offensive ability. And I say, if he makes 10 errors a year 
And, you know, maybe a ball hits the gap that wouldn't have hit the gap if they had Leary Garcia out there or something. I'm okay with that, knowing the offense he is going to bring when he is fully engaged. That is just my opinion. I believe he has the chance to be an MVP level hitter. I think the bad defense will take away MVP votes for him. But him and his red gloves and smiling high mom self are going to have an outstanding season. There's probably not a player outside of Robert on the team I'm more excited to watch this season than Jimenez. Um, he's just outstanding. And he's got a personality, too. Like, he'd come on this show and just have a grand old time. So it's a great outfield. Every good outfield needs a fourth outfielder. I don't consider Andrew Vaughn their fourth outfielder. I consider him a guy who can play outfield, but you want him playing as the designated hitter. The fourth outfield, Adam Engel. Adam Engel had some injury trouble last year. He wasn't necessarily considered part of the core, but I believe Adam Engel could be somebody who really goes out there and makes an impact, has an impact. He can hit 20 home runs. I believe that he kind of started like Danny Mendick where like he was just this awesome defender. You might remember that 4th of July game where he robbed two home runs, but his offense was just terrible. He might've been the worst offensive hitter in the White Sox organization, the table has turned on that. He can hit. So any late game pinch hit situation for a guy who might be over three or late inning defensive replacement for Eloy, I think is certainly possible. I'm excited to see what Adam Angle can do this season. It's a great outfield for the White Sox. So that wraps up all the position players that I have, um, except for the injured list. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, the pitchers. One of the great stories on the White Sox pitching staff right now is Tanner Banks. Tanner Banks has played in the minors for the last eight years. Where were you eight years ago? I think I was in high school. I don't even remember. Uh, he No, I wasn't. That's disgusting. I wasn't. Ew. Um, he has been in the minors for a long time, and he's going to make the team right out of camp. He was good in spring training. He breaks camp with the team, and he's going to pitch in the White Sox bullpen this season. Um, there are three lefties that are prominent lefties in the bullpen right now. And Banks is one of them, you know, we'll see what he can do. I'm not sure he'll be on the team by the time the season ends, but he's going to go out there and get his chance. I'll be stunned if he doesn't see a couple innings this weekend against Detroit. And it's because of the lefty thing. He's one of the three lefties that I think will see a fair amount of time. And the only lefty ahead of him is Aaron Bummer. Aaron Bummer is the best lefty in the rotation in the bullpen right now with Garrett Crochet being out for the season. Um, he might even be anyway. Bummer's probably the second best reliever on the White Sox in general. And he's going to be their setup man, I believe, on most days when they're leading going into the eighth inning. You should see Bummer come out and try and get the ball to Liam Hendricks for the ninth inning. And, of course, Liam Hendricks is that guy who's going to be their closer for them this season. He makes the roster, of course. Um, I'm excited about him. Liam Hendricks, he's been on this show, friend of the program. You saw him in the intro. Him and his Australian screaming self are just outstanding, and I can't wait to see what he's able to do to follow up his reliever of the year performance from last year. Another guy in the bullpen, Kyle Crick. I've seen some nasty videos of Kyle Crick on the Twitter.com machine. A friend of this program, former guest Rob Friedman, the pitching ninja. He is somebody who just has nasty stuff, and we'll see if he's able to bring that over to the White Sox this year. I already told you about Matt Foster, who will replace uh, Burr in the, or in the bullpen to start the season. And then you follow that up with somebody like Kendall Graveman. Kendall Graveman is a former Seattle Mariner. 
Um, Graveman pitched for the Mariners in the uh, bullpen last year, and then they traded him to the Astros. And you might remember that Mariners pitcher who was traded last year, and that caused all the Mariner players to get pissed off, like, oh, the team, they're selling again. Like, you know, we're never going to be competitive if we keep acting like this. And that was Graveman. And then the Mariners still continued their awesome pace, 190 games, missed the playoffs by one game, but the Astros had Graveman. And he dominated the White Sox in the playoffs last year. And he's one of the guys who beamed Jose Abreu. That kind of started a kerfuffle. And, you know, they let bygones be bygones. Graveman's on the White Sox, and he hopes to lead a very good team going into this season. Um, of course, another reliever on the team, Jose Ruiz. Ruiz was probably the worst reliever on the White Sox last year besides Kimbrell, and he was still pretty good. So if your worst reliever is still pretty good, by worst reliever, I mean like the last guy in the bullpen. You know, you'll see him on a Sunday game um, at some point. <clears throat> that That's Jose Ruiz last year. He's probably going to have a little bit more of an elevated role this year because of the fact that guys like Tanner Banks, Kyle Crick, and this guy – Bennett Sosa made the team as well. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how all these, you know, depth bullpen arms are used this year. You know, Tony LaRusso loves to manage a bullpen. And, you know, it, it'll be weird to see at first. He didn't do all that good of it in April last year. But I think as the season went along, he started to learn a little bit more about his guys and it helped him. So I'm excited to see how that works out. Vince Velasquez, he was signed to be a pitcher slash bullpen arm. And he's going to be somebody who, you know, he's going to get starts probably, especially with the couple injuries that we'll talk about in a minute. And he's also somebody who will come out of the bullpen. So that rounds out the bullpen in full. There are two guys also that I think will make starts. And I also think will come out of the bullpen at times too. Of course, one of them is Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel, he was sixth. And Cy Young voting in 2020, the short season, he had a 1.99 ERA. And then last year was a disaster. It was the worst year of his career by far. And he still won a gold glove because he's probably the best defensive field year position pitcher in baseball. But the stuff wasn't there. He he throws, he's a soft tosser. He doesn't throw hard. He's not getting a crap ton of strikeouts. There were two relievers on the White Sox last year, Michael Kopech and Liam Hendricks, that had more strikeouts than Keuchel and significantly less innings because of the relievers. And the fact that two relievers had more strikeouts than Keuchel as a starter just tells you everything you need to know about his soft tossing. But, you know, if there was somebody who could have a bounce back year from a bad year like that, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if it were a guy who had no experience whatsoever coming back from a bad year or a guy who's a World Series champion Cy Young Award winner like Keuchel, you would take the Keuchel. So we'll see how he's able to do this season. Um, next in the mix of the same ilk is Reynaldo Lopez. Lopez is the opposite. He was god-awful in 2019 and 2020. And after being really good in 2018, when the White Sox really started to kind of not turn things around, but start to really look at some of the guys who were going to be part of the team for a long time. And Lopez was good last year. Um, I believe on my my favorite t uh, radio station, ESPN 1000, they refer to Reynaldo Lopez as the babyface man. And for those of you who are watching the video version of this right now, you can probably see why. Um, he's an interesting pitcher for the White Sox going into the season. I'm excited to see what he can do. And that brings me over to the starting rotation. The starting rotation was the White Sox greatest asset last season. And it starts and ends with Mr. Lucas Giolito. 
Lucas Giolito has been one of the best off our pitchers in baseball over the last four or five seasons. Um, the last three seasons, he came in sixth, seventh, and 11th for the Cy Young Award in the American League. Um, I believe he's the fifth highest favorite for the award right now, or third highest favorite for the award right now. And he will be the White Sox opening day starter tomorrow. And I'm excited to see what he can do. A few guys work off their changeup like Lucas Giolito. You normally see guys mix in their changeup in with a fastball. Like I think of what Michael Kopech does with his changeup, mixing it around his fastball. Giolito's the opposite. Things start and end with his changeup. I think he has the best changeup in the American League, and I'm excited to see him putting it to use starting tomorrow. If he can develop a third pitch that's as effective as his uh, changeup and fastball, I think that's what will be the difference maker between him being a 6-10 through 10 level Cy Young guy or a 1-3 through three level Cy Young guy. And we'll see if he's able to do that starting tomorrow. I'm excited about Giolito. Second in the rotation to start the year is going to be Dylan Cease. He came over with Jimenez for Quintana in the greatest White Sox trade of all time. And Cease is my pick to lead the White Sox in strikeouts. And I actually think he has a better chance to win the Cy Young than Giolito. And that's not a knock on Giolito. I think Cease's stuff is that magnificent. And when he's bringing it to the table like he truly can, we could be talking about 250 strikeouts from a right-handed pitcher, which would just be absolutely insane for the White Sox. Um, I'm excited to see him. I'm also excited that he's the number two guy in the rotation right now. And we'll get to why in a minute. But the third, Michael Kopech. Touched on him a little bit already. He moves from the bullpen to the rotation after. So he made his major league debut in August of 2018. And then in at the end, like with three weeks left in the season, he had Tommy John. And that canceled his in the rest of 2018, all of 2019. And then he opted out of the COVID-shortened 2020 season to deal with off-the-field issues. And he came back in 2021. And to ease him back into major league pitching scenarios, he was in the bullpen. Tony Larusa, Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams felt the need to have him ease his way back in with an innings limit. And there was no better way than to make him a long reliever slash spot starter. And that's the role he served and he was brilliant at it. And now it's time for Kopech to take that next step. He will be in the starting rotation this season. I still believe there will be an innings limit. If he has a no hitter going into the sixth, Tony LaRusso ain't going to care. He ain't going to give a shit. He's still going to put in bummer or, you know, whatever guy he's using that day. I promise you that. And I believe the White Sox will somewhat run a six-man rotation as a result of Kopech's inning limit. And, you know, we'll see what he's able to do. But I think by far, based on pure talent, Mark Burley's the greatest pitcher in Chicago White Sox history. There's no doubt about it. Based on pure accomplishments. I know there are some older folks who will argue for Blackjack McDowell and, you know, guys like that. I think Chris Sale is the most talented pitcher in White Sox history. He didn't reach the achievements of a McDowell or a Burley, but based on pure shit, Chris Sale's the guy. Kopech is right there. And it's only fitting that he was traded to the White Sox from Boston with Yoan Moncada for Chris Sale. So I'm excited to see what he can do going into this season. 
And we do have a little bit of breaking news. Nico Horner does have a home run, and Saya Suzuki scored the first run of the Cubs season. So it looks like the score right now. Just give me a second as I scroll through to break you. 3-1 is the score for the Chicago Cubs as they lead the Brew Crew. It actually looks like the Brew Crew score came as a an RBI ground out from Lorenzo Kane. So that's where you stand on the Cubs. Back to Kopech. I'm excited to see him start on Sunday. And it's going to be interesting to see if he's able to really take that next step as a pitcher because the sky is the limit for this guy. I believe Kopech's floor is what he is right now. The worst version of Kopech is what he is right now. What I think of the best version of Kopech is going to throw a lot of people for a curveball. I believe he has Jacob deGrom, $300 million shit. I truly mean that. I've said it for a long time. I've never seen a two-seam fastball have plate movement like that. I just have never seen it. And when you work in a changeup that still goes 85, and then you throw in his junk that comes in at 79, but it looks like 92, it's virtually impossible to hit when he's hitting his spots. So I think the world of this guy, I can't wait to see him long-term. Rounding out the rotation for the White Sox probably will be Keuchel and Lopez to start the year. I don't think I missed anybody on the Chicago White Sox pitching rotation, um, which just brings me to the, the injury. On South Burbs Hitman, we called it the lingerie, the Lance lingerie. Lance Lynn was the third-place finisher for the Cy Young Award last season, and I believe he came in sixth and seventh with the Texas Rangers the year before. Lance Lynn's one of the best pitchers in the league. He's got a little bit of a knee issue right now. He'll be back around mid-May, just about four weeks out from seeing Lance Lynn back. So when Lance Lynn is back, he will insert himself into the rotation wherever Tony LaRusa sees fit. I don't think they're going to try and fit him into any specific order. He'll just go in the next open spot. But I think once the playoffs roll around, you can really run any order, Giolito, Lynn, Cease, and Kopech, as long as they're all healthy and as long as they're all throwing to the best of their ability. That's what I think of those guys. And so my final record prediction for the White Sox, if they are able to stay healthy, I do believe they will be able to go 95 and 67 and have, I think that would give them the second best record they've ever had. Um, but let me be clear about something. If everything goes right, Robert wins MVP. Abreu has 120 RBIs again. Cease, Kopech, Giolito, Lynn all have 150-plus strikeouts. We're talking about Giolito and Cease, 200-plus strikeouts. Uh, Jimenez hits 50 bombs. Um, uh, the bullpen is solid with Bummer. And, oh, I forgot to mention Joe Kelly on the injured list. Joe Kelly, uh, one of the premier relievers in the league over the last couple years. He's awesome. If those guys, Bummer, Kelly, uh, Liam Hendricks, all these guys are able to have outstanding seasons in the bullpen, then I think 100 wins is absolutely possible for this team. But a lot of things need to go right for any team to win 100 games. I think only the Dodgers, Rays, and Giants all won last year 100. And one team winning 100 is hard, let alone seeing three. So that was kind of an off year, especially two being in the same division. But sky's the limit for this White Sox team. They need to go for the gut punch all year long. They need to have one of the top two seeds on their mind. And I think Tony LaRusa knows that that is the equivalent of winning a playoff series. So I've rambled on about both the White Sox and the Cubs enough for this show. The Cubs currently do hold a 3-1 lead in the bottom of the fifth inning. Um, they, and they're threatening still. They got a runner on first, two outs, bottom of the fifth. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to um, – 
get things going. I do want to have there are two very special birthday wishes I want to throw out there. Of course, I gave one to Joey Parisi already, co-host of this show, normally co-host of Bar Down Talking Hockey and a big member of the Barroom Network, and of course, my brother. So happy birthday, Joseph. 25 is going to look good on you starting on Saturday. Um, and of course, Foster, and one of the main chatters in our show. I'm very excited to wish you a very happy birthday. I believe in the comments, it is, um, yeah, I'm sure you're 25. We'll just go with that. You're, you're, you and Joe, you're the same age. Happy 25th birthday, Foster. Um, okay, so you're 56 today, Foster. I'm sure you don't look a day over 25. I'm excited to wish you a happy birthday. Thank you so much for listening to our show. It means a lot. Um, we love having you here in the chat. Um, what a, what an informative show. I mean, the White Sox and the Cubs, they're two teams that are in a little bit of a different spot right now in terms of their rotations and in terms of their offense, I would say. Um, they're also just organizationally in different spots with different philosophies with their rosters right now. And if the Cubs make the playoffs, it'll be a surprise. If the White Sox don't, it will be a disappointment. Um, I had a family member say 85 wins last week. And I was like, dude, if they get 85 wins, the White Sox, that would be like a major, major disappointment. Whereas the Cubs would probably be pretty happy with 85 wins. And that might get them in the second or the third wild card spot. Are we calling it wild card spots? I know we kind of touched on that earlier in the show. Or are we still calling them wild card spots, even though there's not the one game anymore? I don't know. There are people who like the new playoffs. There are people who don't. I like having extra playoff teams because the more baseball, the better. I know 162 games, it's hard. You only want the best of the best. But if you put more sports in front of me, I'm watching it. You know, there was an extra NFL uh, game uh, playoff team this year. I loved it. I loved it. I know all the seven seeds in football got absolutely destroyed by the two seeds this year, but I don't care. You know, I got to watch Patrick Mahomes play against Big Ben Roethlisberger one last time. It was fun. I enjoyed it. So, you know, more sports, the better. Um, I believe that, you know, having the extra teams should provide more fun. It'll keep the Cubs fans engaged for longer this season. I think other bubble teams across baseball, like the Detroit Tigers, the Minnesota Twins, the Philadelphia Phillies, all these teams will be a lot more engaged with their fans as the season goes along. And the trade deadline will probably be even crazier. So that's our show for today. It is opening day officially across Major League Baseball. There are seven games on the slate today. I think there would have been eight, but the Boston Red Sox and New York Yankees were pushed back to tomorrow due to inclement weather on the East Coast. It'll be Nathan Eovaldi versus Garrett Cole. I'll throw that out there because we talk about those two teams a fair amount on this show. I'm very excited about what's going on. Baseball's back. Uh, make sure you read all the blogs about the White Sox and the Cubs on fansided.com via Southside Showdown and DeWindy City. And hockey's still going strong. I haven't forgotten about my hockey. It is my love. Um, my devil stink. The Blackhawks stink. Joey's Bruins are really good. Um, we'll be back next Wednesday for Bar Down Talking Hockey with Joey and Frankie. Um, special guest uh, White Sox Dave will be back next week to help me with that show. And it'll probably be just a very fun conversation about the White Sox. I'm very much looking forward to it. And I'm going to heckle him about getting me Carl. I want Carl to talk about the Cubs. So it should be a lot of fun. Um, all sorts of stuff. You can go back. I know Mike North Advantage had a surprise little show today. Talked about the Cubs and the White Sox. Make sure you check that out on all the podcast, you know, ways of finding podcasts. Um, uh, we'll be back with South Burps Hitman Monday night. And... I'm excited to – it'll be our first show 
with actual games to talk about. The White Sox are off on Monday, but it'll be three games against the Detroit Tigers to kind of really get our juices flowing and into our season predictions. All the other great shows across the Barroom Network. It's almost draft season in the NFL. The Bears don't have their first round pick, but they have a plethora of other picks to kind of debate and we'll see if they're able to make a trade or is 2022 really a shot season for them is 2023 really the main goal um i live and die with fan sided for everything and anytime the kansas city chiefs do something good that helps the brand so i'll be paying attention to them tom brady's back with the tampa bay buccaneers so make sure you tune into all these football shows on the barroom network i'm very excited about them as well the bulls they've stunk lately um bulls gold though those guys are in it they're in the mix and they will be in the playoffs. I believe they are locked into the sixth seed and it's going to be interesting to see how that all floats around. I'm truly excited about the NBA playoffs, regardless of how the bulls are going to play. I know the Suns, the bucks, the magic, all these teams, they have a chance to really go well. So make sure you're using the barroom network for all your inside information on all that stuff. And of course, always baseball excited about the season i'm very happy about this show and i hope everybody enjoyed listening to my breakdown of both chicago teams rosters um next week will be like as i mentioned white Sox dave and then i think i'll get a little bit more into some other teams across major league baseball as i kind of dug really deep and got down and dirty with the two chicago teams this week so expect some nl west conversation next week i love talking about the giants and the padres and the dodgers um We'll touch on the AL East probably a little bit next week too. I'm excited to see how the Yankees, Dodger or Yankees, Red Sox, Rays, and Jays get off to their season. So everybody, make sure you go wish Joey Parisi a very happy birthday. Foster, happy birthday to you. And of course, as always, thank you for listening. Go Sox.